Hello there and welcome to the Sound of the Loons podcast presented by Alina Health Orthopaedics. Callum Williams alongside Kindred D. St. Aubin. Lots to digest and lots to have a chat about over the course uh, of this podcast for sure. Later on, we'll be talking to Vanny Sartini, the head coach of Vancouver Whitecaps. But first, Kindra, we've got to talk about two wins for Minnesota United. Back-to-back victories for the first time since mid-April. Back-to-back victories uh, since we last did a podcast as well. Maybe it's us. Maybe we're the unlucky charm. Um, but in all seriousness... Some really, really good stuff played by Minnesota United from an attacking point of view over the course of, of the last week or so. An immeasurable victory at LA Galaxy and a much-needed win at home to Real Salt Lake as well. Yeah, and I think that that's exactly what the team needed. And it's interesting when you talk to the players, you talk to the staff, it doesn't even necessarily matter how you got the win or the fact that you allowed a couple of goals late in both those games. I think the most important thing is that at the end of the day, three points is three points. And you got three of those points on the road at a very difficult place to play in LA Galaxy after traveling all the way across the country from Miami in a very disappointing loss. I mean, that was like a real punch in the gut, the Miami game. So then you go all the way across the country. You spend a few days there. You're on a short turnaround, short rest, find a way to get the three points, three beautiful goals in the first half. And then you come home and you do much the same where you're just on the front foot the entire time against a really good Real Salt Lake team. And they're sitting at or near the top of the standings um, Real Salt Lake was at the moment. So I think at the end of the day, a win is a win. And sometimes you need the kind of wins where you're going to try to grind it out. And I know Will Trapp said something similar after the matches. That also builds character. It's not just the win easy. It's not just the score goals and pile on and Sometimes when you have to gut things out like that, I think that also builds character and chemistry and kind of camaraderie amongst the group that they could find a way to get that done. Um, and then, yeah, you now you head to Vancouver with six more points on, on the standings and feeling pretty good about yourself. It, it's easy to focus on Emmanuel Reynoso over the last two games. So let's do just that, shall we? Because he's been spectacular. Why has he all of a sudden started to blossom over the course of the last couple of games, especially the last two with four goals and two. You know, it's, it would be easy for me to just say that there's a different sense of responsibility that's coming from him. Um, Cause there's been times where you and I have watched games and maybe he doesn't seem quite as into it or involved, invested in it as others. And I'm not saying that every single player for every single team in every game ever has to be invested 100% of the time. There are days where you may have an off day, right? We all understand that you're human being, but at the same time, I think that there is a sense of energy and urgency about him. And you can almost tell it right from the beginning of a game, right from the, when that whistle blows. And I felt that in both those games in the Los Angeles game and the Minnesota United rail salt Lake game, it just felt like a different energy coming from him and a selfishness, which is what I had talked about a month or so, or maybe three weeks ago, two weeks ago for Luis Amaria saying, Hey, if you need to be selfish, you need to take those shots, take your chances, especially in that first half of the Miami game. We talked about that with Amaria. I think Reynoso did just that. And look at what happened. You know, now he's become a goal scoring threat, not just an assist man, something that Adrian Heath has been talking about for quite some time that they needed from him. And then if, if the defender is going to drop off you and allow you that space to get it on that left foot and curl it into the back post, now, all of a sudden, you're putting that away. You're gaining confidence. Your team is gaining confidence. The defense is going to have to step to you. That opens up an opportunity for someone else in a passing lane. It's just crazy the domino effect that something like that has. And 
Um, his positioning has been fantastic. He's gone side to side a little bit to find the game. Last game was a little bit different in the sense that, you know, Robin Loeb was kind of playing just underneath him um, and a little bit alongside him as Robin was trying to find the game as a central midfielder uh, as the game wore on. So I just think that when you have a player like Emmanuel Reynoso and you know his quality, and then it's when he takes hold of that same quality and that same confidence and just puts a beat down in the opposition, you really can't ask for anything better because it just opens up everything for everyone else as well. One of my favorite ever lines from a broadcast that you did was when Reynoso scored from the edge, I believe it was last year, might have even been in, in late 2020, and you said, why on earth would you give him the left foot? It's baffling to me that this is still happening. And I know it's, it's got, well, you tell me as, as, a, as a defensive-minded player as you were, in, in that situation when Reynoso is bearing down on goal or even if he comes inside from the out on the left foot, I understand you've got to jockey. I understand because you, you're more than likely going to have players around you. Um, but why? What, why would you back off Reynoso so much? And it seems to be happening more often than not once again for, for the opponents of Minnesota United. What, what's the thinking of those players in that situation? There's two things I can think of there. And my first thought, honestly, is like they must not realize which direction they're forcing him in that moment, because why on earth would you give him the left foot? I mean, as a defender, as a midfielder, wherever you're defending the ball, the first thing you realize, especially when you're playing against a player like that, is who you're playing against in which direction you should force him. The second thing in that scenario is, is it's old school, but you know, when you talk about pressure, balance, cover, your second defender, whoever's behind you, is telling you which way to force the player as well because that's your second defender who can help you when you get beat. If you get beat, there's a secondary person there to pick up and step up and defend. But for me, with Emmanuel Reynoso, the only reason I can imagine that, let's say the, the goal against LA Galaxy, where he just struck it so cleanly from what, maybe 22 yards out. I'm trying to remember it was outside the 18 um, on the corner and he curls it into that back post is that they're afraid to look silly because if you don't, if you don't step to the ball now, we all know he's going to shoot it and he's going to curl it on that left foot. And if you do step tight and Mark, you better be pretty sure of yourself defensively that you're not going to get smoked. And so I think when he goes, especially against some of these younger outside backs or maybe true players that aren't true outside backs, like a Raheem Edwards. He's not a defender first mentality for me. He's more of an attack minded player. I think they're, they drop off a little bit because they don't want to look silly. They don't want to get beat by a player like Emmanuel Reynoso and end up on the wrong side of a highlight reel. I mean, he's just that good. And then a few times we've seen a player force him to his right. And on occasion, he's not afraid then to take it to the end line, do a couple cheeky little moves and slot a ball back across with his right. But I think most dangerous is Emmanuel Ronoso with that ball in the left foot now knowing that he's not going to just cross that ball. He's not going to just serve it in. He's going to shoot it as well. So, I mean, it's baffling to me because that to me is like defending 101. And the only thing I can think of is that they're not aware of where they're at on the field, maybe even how close they are to the goal. And um, they just don't want to get beat from a, a defensive standpoint because he's made them pay now. And that's what good players do. That's what great players do. And so I think that's, that's what they needed from him. And it's not just about the goals that he scored. It's about being a goal-scoring threat because that changes the way the opposition will defend him from this point going forward. It's not just about the pass. It's about the shot as well. I think Luis Amaria deserves a little bit of credit for the Reynoso goal in Los Angeles as well. Um, if you go back and look at it, I think Reynoso has become a little more confident over the last couple of games, certainly the last three games. Let's not forget now that's two goals and an assist in three for him. Um, 
he, he was playing off the shoulder very, very well, um, particularly for that Reynoso goal. And, and I think a lot of the time what that does, at least from my vantage point, is when the, the centre forward is playing off the shoulder, it does force those defenders to drop a little deeper. And all of a sudden, Reynoso has this face and, and defenders are, are, are caught in between two scenarios. But as we mentioned, two goals and an assist in the last three games. Um, suggestions are that the front office and the technical staff are looking at bringing in a centre forward. Um, sometimes that can motivate, sometimes it can hinder. Um, what have we made of Amaria and what should we expect perhaps moving forward from the Paraguayan? I'd like to say that as he continues on this current run of form, which to me started in SA Paderborn in that game, when he scored that goal in, the, in that SA Paderborn friendly, I felt like, okay, here we go. Here we go. This is going to get him going once again. And then he kind of hit a lull a little bit. And then we go to Miami and he had a gazillion chances in the first half and didn't take them. It wasn't even that he missed them. He just didn't take them. And so I'm, I'm a little unsure right now to make exactly of what to make exactly of Luisa Maria and what kind of form we're going to consistently see him in. All I know is when the team is winning and even if others are the ones doing the scoring, that will ease some of the pressure and ease some of the burden. And I asked Robin Lode a little bit about that today, not about Luis specifically, but about the fact that you guys have scored three goals in back-to-back games. All everyone's been talking about is how this team can't score goals. You and I have spent whole pregame shows trying to figure out where the goals are going to come from. And we didn't have to talk about that in the last pregame show. And that was even before they scored three against Real Salt Lake. So for me, that can only help Luis Amaria. And I think the point you just made about him helping to create the chances and opportunities for other like an Emmanuel Reynoso with his movement and the way he can drag defenders out of those spaces to create space for others. Even if he's not technically getting the assist or technically getting the goal, it is amazing what that will do to create the opportunity for the person that ends up scoring it. So I think Luis is going to be happy as long as his team is winning and he feels like he's contributing in a positive light. Um, but ultimately we all know like your number nine is supposed to score goals. Like that's, that's just the way it is. And that's, that's how he's going to be most happy Luis. But at, at the end of the day, if this team is winning, he's contributing in a positive way to this team's success. I think that says a lot for this group. And it's not a bad thing that you have multiple goal scorers on the roster. You don't want a singular goal score where you, if you shut that player down, the whole thing goes, you know, to hell. So I think this could be, um, a good moment for him to ease some of the pressure off himself, find his form once again, continue on in that confidence. And yeah, I mean, yes, competition sometimes can can you know lift you up, but it, honestly, it depends on if they bring in another forward. I don't. It's a business. These guys all know sure. that, so um, they know what it's like to just kind of feel that they put the pressure on themselves, and there's always sort of heat on them, anyways, as goal scorers. Too. So it wouldn't shock me if they brought in another forward and if he felt a little pressure with that. Robin Lourdes has been a key contributor in terms of goals this season and over the course of his time at Minnesota United. Played in a much deeper role against Real Salt Lake as a central midfielder. First and foremost, he seemed to pass the test with flying colours. Secondly, though, Kay, I know that Kerbin Arriaga is injured. We don't know the status of Josep Rosales yet. Jacory Hayes seems to be a preference off the bench. Why would this make sense to have Robin Lord in this central midfield role again against Vancouver on Friday? Well, I think, first of all, you can't go wrong with any anywhere you put Robin Lord on the field. And I think with Robin, you get the offensive 
um, acumen as long as the defensive and the chemistry with Emmanuel Reynoso. So that's not taking anything away from any other central midfielder, but let's say hypothetically that Rosales and Ariaga aren't available. And then it's Ja'Cory Hayes. To me, Ja'Cory Hayes is a phenomenal player to plug in there in late in a game when you're trying to close something out defensively. Um, he, he still has the ability to go forward, but not same quite a, the, the technical ability on the ball. And I talked to Robin about it today. Like, how did he feel like that game went playing and starting in that center midfield role? And he said it was a little sketchy at first. He was trying to figure it out, feel it out. And it's not that he hasn't done it before with Finland, as you and I've talked about, but he's never done it with Minnesota United where he started in that position. So I think he was just trying to kind of find where he belonged between Will Trapp and Emmanuel Reynoso almost. Not alongside Will, not really in a true double pivot, but higher up the field and where he found himself um, in a comfortable spot where he wasn't out of position defensively if necessary. So for me, I think Robin Lowe's a no-brainer. If if Bonga Gukle, Hongwane, or whoever they decide to play on the wings, I don't know who it will be or exactly what Adrian will, will go with, but I thought he Hongwane was fantastic. Um, I thought he gave a lot to the game. I thought he was a different dimension going up and down that right-hand side, a little bit more of a true winger. And then you get Fragapane on the left-hand side, who, always, as we know, loves to cut in. So I think for me, um, if those two are healthy and, and able to go, then I think that you stick with Robin Lud in the center of midfield. Um, even if you're on the road against Vancouver Whitecaps, I still think, and especially if, you know, Vancouver isn't going to be a high-pressing team, if their line of confrontation is going to be a little bit deeper, I think Robin will be better at breaking that down with Emmanuel Reynoso and trying to pick out those seams and do some little cheeky one-twos um, if you're trying to break down that middle block defense by uh, Vancouver Whitecaps. So before we just have a quick conversation about the Whitecaps and other goings-on around uh, Major League Soccer, suggestions are that Bakai Dibasi has indeed signed a new contract with Minnesota United to remain at the club. He's 32 years of age, Kendra. He's looked after himself and he's been near impeccable for Minnesota United this year. This is a wonderful signing for the Loons. Yeah, and I, I hope he keeps going on these English lessons because I think he'd be fantastic guest for the podcast. And we never really get to talk to him because he just quietly goes about his business, you know, and you and I have had this discussion when we have these man of the match conversations, when we get down towards the end of the game. Um, I wish oftentimes I could give it to the entire back line or Debassi, I think is always deserved. Boxel Kamar has been fantastic. DJ has been phenomenal. So when we look at this back line as a cohesive unit and Debassi being a key component of that really since day one, since he arrived, I think that you cannot ask for a better teammate. And I'd have to ask Michael Boxel for sure. Cause he plays alongside him the most, but I just think when you have a guy that is just willing to give it, you know, uh, give it his all, I'm not going to say 110% cause that's not a real thing. But to give it his all, game in and game out, show up every day at training, hold his teammates accountable, but he holds himself accountable. You can't ask for anything better. And um, and then he even played left back to start the season, a place that he didn't look <laughs> super excited to be when, when the season started because of the amount of running that they have to do over there. But he did it, and he did it well. So um, I think that if if this is the case and he is um, signed on once again, I think I think his whole – team will be happy and, I, and I'm happy to see him here in a Minnesota United jersey for a little bit longer for sure. Whilst we're talking of new contracts let's just break away from Minnesota United momentarily. Um, yesterday 
my jaw hit the ground when I saw a very busy day for Toronto FC. Suggestions are, and we're going to chat to Vanni Sartini about this as well a little later on, given the fact he's managing a Canadian team and he's Italian. Um, Bernadeschi uh, from Juventus is allegedly the next big target for Toronto FC, which would be uh, an impeccable piece of business. Um, but talking of, of near-perfect business, Inter Miami and Chris Henderson may very well have just pulled off one of the, the trades of the season so far. And we, we don't know the real details. We don't know how it came about. But for, for the details that, that have been released, Toronto FC traded Alejandro Pozuelo to Inter Miami for $150,000 of allocation money. Um, Kendra, this was the 2020 Major League Soccer MVP. And I know he's not been as effective since that campaign, but my word, if, if Inter Miami even get uh, half of the player that Toronto have had over the course of the last couple of years for $150,000, that could be a steal. Well, and I remember, I mean, this kind of reminds me now, is, is this the, the route we're going to start to see with like Gareth Bale signing a TAM deal? What does that mean? This is a DP player that you're discussing for Pozuelo going to Miami. I agree with you 100%. I still don't understand completely why they would do it um, in the sense that you just have brought on, and I know you talked about you talked about someone else that they were thinking about bringing in, but Insigne, if you've just brought him in, are you telling me that those two can't figure out how to play together? Or I, I, guess, I guess I struggle with that a little bit because Pozuelo hasn't been his best in his best form. He's not the 2020 MVP. But ultimately, and I and there's no guarantee that he's going to go to Miami and be that guy either. So for me, it's a good bit of business for Miami because if they got him for that price and there's everything is legal and all the you know the I's are dotted and the T's are crossed, then I think that that's a pretty big a pretty big move. But something else almost has to have been going on, yes. In well, my only thought, my, my only thought here, Kay, is that obviously that they've been made aware that somebody like Abendadeshi is available. Um, and obviously somebody like that would require a designated player salary and, and a spot. So they have to move somebody. Um, I understand that. We, we've seen that happen in this league over the course of the years. Um, but this one was, was eyebrow raising just because of we, we've seen Pozuelo be sensational at times. And, and like I said, I, I know he's not been spectacular this year. Uh, but I, for one, was very much looking forward to seeing him and Insigne playing together. Um, this, this, as I said just strikes me as, as into Miami absolutely taking advantage of a situation. Uh, and we don't know, maybe Toronto just, they, they saw that the player was available, that Benedetti was available, and they said, right, we, we've got to get rid of, of a DP. Um, maybe they shopped around Pozuelo. But if they did, uh, for 150 grand... I was going to say, I, there weren't any other takers. <laughs> I, there, 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 might, there would have been a myriad of suitors. But um, look, regardless, we, we obviously don't know the details, but, but that is... is an astronomical signing um, if, if, if Pozuelo continues to, to be the player that we know he, he can be at Inter Miami, who I thought when Minnesota played them a few weeks ago, it uh, looked like they could do with the number 10 type player. And, and maybe they've just gotten the player, the missing piece that they need. But um, that, that was an unbelievable day for Toronto FC. And we're hearing as well now that they're maybe doing more trades. Mark Anthony Kay apparently is somebody that could be heading back to Toronto, uh, came through the academy there, but ended up playing, obviously, at Louisville for a little bit and 
went over to, to play Colorado Rapids recently in LAFC, and, and Bob Bradley is a big fan of him, coached him at LAFC. Uh, that wouldn't surprise me if that trade is done uh, over the course of the next couple of days. I can only imagine how, how much better even Campana will be if he's got Pozuelo finding him the ball, you know, and, and that's where you look at Miami and you're like, okay, well, how is he going to fit? Cause you can't just put the best players. You always just get the best guys and it's going to make your team necessarily better. But he's one of those Pozuelo. I think that absolutely would. And you just wonder if there's something else going on or if it's just that, that they just needed a DP spot. But to your point is 150, like how in the world they, they couldn't have shopped it around. Maybe he was like, okay, if you're going to get rid of me, I'm going to Miami. I mean, yeah, I don't know. Like, who knows? Uh, you're right. I mean, I, I can't imagine they would have shopped him around because 150 grand, <laughs> it's a steal. It really is a steal. So we'll, we'll wait and see. But either way, um, blockbuster trade yesterday in MLS. So we're recording this uh, on, on Wednesday afternoon, for those wondering. Um, uh, my, my I love that you just had to look at your calendar to see what day it was. I don't, yeah, I have no <laughs> idea what day it is right now. <laughs> I have no idea what day. I saw Miami. you like touch your phone to see what day yeah. it was. I'm in Miami doing games. Uh, you're prepping for Vancouver. I, I don't even know what, what day it is right now. And it's a very busy period, which is good. It's always good to be busy. Yeah. Uh, listen, before we head to break, Kate, um, and we, we have Vanny Sartini waiting for us, um, just if you can just describe. Vancouver Whitecaps at the moment and what sort of a, a season they're having and why they find themselves on the current run they are unbeaten in four in all competitions. Well, and I think, you know, what's interesting and I go back and I rewatch some of the Vancouver games and you even rewatch it from last season to this season when he took over as the interim head coach. And last year, I think there was this energy and he still has energy about him. But even if you talk to him and you and I talked to him last year when he got the interim job, the interim tag and his energy is infectious and he's coming in, you know, just firing all cylinders and demanding certain things. I think the team felt a lift. And so maybe they would have been, they were a little chaotic and a little, um, a little cattywampus in how they approached last season in the sense that they were just throwing everything at the kitchen sink. And Sartini is a very organized, very methodical type of a coach. I mean, that is his background is sort of the nature of mapping those things out. But when you get named all of a sudden in the middle of the season, the interim head coach, and you're trying to gain the head coaching position full time, you may not operate it exactly as how you would as if you took over right from the get-go. So what he did last year worked. It was a high energy, a high press system, a force of turnovers, win the ball back in dangerous areas, find a way to score goals, capitalize, utilize the players that you had. They have some exciting players to home and Casado with energy and pace, which we, which we've seen. Um, and then going into this season and he'll tell you the same thing. And I know I've listened to some of his post-game interviews, his media availability dating back to the beginning of the season when they struggled to where they are now, having gotten 20 points in their last 10 games is just finding their form, finding what's working for them and not changing tactics so much as it is just changing how they're utilizing and putting the tactics into play on the field. And oh, by the way, their team wasn't healthy in the beginning. They were dealing with all sorts of health and safety protocols and some injuries and, and illnesses. And now he's got his group together. I think he's got players in the right position. I'll talk about, um, Javane Brown and how we started him as a wing back and now he's playing center back and he's been phenomenal. They've made additions in Kubas who scored the goal the other day in the 89th minute. So I think it's to me, his tactics and the way he wants to play haven't changed, but maybe how he is utilizing those tactics has changed and tweaked 
um, in this latter part of the the first half of the season, whatever that is, the, the last 10 games and why they're finding themselves in this run of form. And they beat LAFC and he said, we're not going to fool anybody. LAFC didn't bring everybody. They didn't have their best guys here, but we still found a way to be really good in that game and get the goal in the 89th minute. You can only beat who's in front of you. And um, I think they feel really good about how they're playing right now. And they've got confidence and they've got the belief of the players, which sometimes is half the battle. Um, so I think so far, so good for them, but we'll see what Minnesota United last year, when Minnesota went there, it wasn't so great. And they found a way to really frustrate this group and get under the skin of Emmanuel Reynoso. So we'll see what, what happens on, on Friday night against this team. Before we go to break, what was the word you used to describe them? Cat, catty wampus. <laughs> Yes. That, you don't that know that word? Is that a Minnesotan thing, is it? No, I'm pretty sure it's, I'm pretty sure the Brits invented it. No, well, I'm kidding. To me. Okay. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Yeah, cattywampus, like out of whack. I don't know. I'm not going to, I I would Google it, but I'm sure it's in the dictionary. Okay, I know well, Dre is listening to us right now. Andrea Correa is, is listening to us right now. And she's nodding her head going, yes, I know what cattywampus is. I'll I'll take your word for it. If anybody <laughs> listening knows what cattywampus is, I am extremely intrigued. And uh, maybe we could fit it in a broadcast at some stage, shall we? Uh, uh, wonderful. Yeah. All right, let's uh, take a break then, shall we? Uh, Vanny Sartini joining us momentarily. When injury takes you out of the game, it's time for your team to step up. At Alina Health Orthopaedics, you'll get expert care backed by a whole health system of providers. With convenient locations, virtual options, and an app that gives you 24-7 access to your records, test results, and care team, you're always close to the care that you need. Schedule now at alinahealth.org slash ortho. Everyone, welcome back to the Sound of the Loons podcast presented by Alina Health Orthopedics. Callum Williams alongside Kindred D. St. Aubin. Minnesota United up against Vancouver Whitecaps this coming Friday evening. Delighted to be joined by the head coach of Vancouver Whitecaps, Vanny Sartini. Vanny, thanks so much for the time. Really appreciate it. How are you? Very good and uh, happy to see you again, guys. I'm really happy to talk with you. Thank you so much. We really, really appreciate the time. Let, let's get straight into it then, shall we? Um, how would you assess your season so far? Well, I think that we have uh, basically two different mini-seasons so far. We uh, we had the first eight games that uh, they, we need to be honest, they were a disaster. And uh, we started really poorly. We did only four points in eight games. We lost six of our first eight games. We didn't do very well. We, were, we weren't playing very well. Uh, we were lucky that after game eight, we had a, a, a bye week, like we didn't play. So it was very good to regroup with the staff, regroup with the players, I had individual chat with all the players. And we made some tweaks. We really, uh, I would say, listened to the, from the players what was, uh, in their also opinion, what was not working. And uh, we we started a new season, and uh, luckily we did very well. We did 20 points in the last 10 games. Uh, we we won three rounds of the Canadian Championship, and now we are in the final of the uh, with Toronto. So 
I would say that the season is uh, kind of uh, satisfactory. We are light. Uh, we are kind of the at the, uh, the half mark of the season, but we need to uh, keep doing like we did in the second part of the first half, I would say. What did you take from what the players said? What Was it a pretty consensus, a uniform opinion on what some of the changes were? Did everybody kind of come from a different angle? Well, I know a lot of different angle, but from the players mostly was the fact, uh, you know, uh, the tactical change or everything we decided all with, within the staff. But for the player, it was more like, uh, hey, uh, the player actually asked them, uh, us as a staff to be more on top of them to ask them to be more accountable. And it was really good. It was the thing that uh, uh, we probably, uh, and uh, we, we, we took this, uh, I would say this feedback because it's, sometimes it's hard and no one is giving you feedback as a coach. And the players sometimes are, uh, are not, uh, I would say they don't want to give you the real feedback because, okay, no, if not, I'm not playing. But the fact, that's the reason why we took this conversation one-on-one and everyone could be really free and we say, okay, we're here to listen to you. And of course, we knew 95% of the time we agreed on, okay, what we need to do better. The team was already on, on, in sync on that, but uh, it's always nice to get some, some uh, I would say, feedback and really think about uh, how, can you better, how can you be better. And the fact that they demanded for more accountability, I think was very mature of them. And uh, we went on that direction, yeah. Vanny, the last time we spoke to you, you were the interim manager of Vancouver Whitecaps. And obviously things went very well and you've been given the, the full-time role now. But at what point did this team feel like your team this year? Well, uh, it would be easy to say now because we're winning and we're doing well. But uh, to be honest, I feel responsible of the fact that it was my team even when we were doing that well. I think that we, I always had the fact that the play is really bite into the thing that we're trying to do and uh, um, I really believe that uh, uh, the as a staff as a leader of the staff and everything you need to set the culture you need to set the tone you need to set everything so uh, I would say that even in the when things weren't going well I was feeling that it was my team and uh, we had to do better because um, I don't think I, I I really don't like when players blame co uh, coaches blame players or no we are all in the same boat and uh, I think at the end that uh, uh, the answer I would like to say that I feel that it's my team but I hope that the player also they feel that it's their team the other member of the staff that their team of course we have a different role and they have to take the decision at the end but uh, we need to express our leadership. Uh, in the way that we work uh, in the different in the different role that we have every day. I know you're a very team first kind of guy, but when you look at this group, is there any individual or certain individuals play that has maybe helped turn the tide over this last stretch where you talk about 20 points in the last 10 games? Yeah, you know, a lot. To be honest, it's, it's been a really team effort. And the fact that also I really believe in uh, uh, rotation, uh, turnover, give everyone a chance. I really believe in a keep and tight tactical structure and we play more or less every time in the same way tactically, but uh, we can change the lineup easily. But of course, there are some guys that because of the fact that 
they also have more talent of the other guys they 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 shine or they stood up like uh, uh, i think lucas cavallini is having the best season as a wide cup so far and uh, he was very important for the group uh, from day one this season i think that uh, uh, andres cubas the new arrival is doing really well and uh, i'm really happy that lately ryan gold that he has a, he had a very I would say troubled beginning of the season with uh, two concussion and the and the uh, it was he had COVID and he had a little problem. So for the first uh, couple of months uh, we had him like at twenty five percent of his potential. Now is uh, is uh, feeling like the real Ryan again. I'm glad you brought up Andreas Kubas. I was going to ask about him. Obviously, he scored. In the last game, the late goal to win against LAFC. What sort of a player is he, and, and what can he offer against Minnesota on Friday? Well, you know, it's uh, uh, we is uh, a player that we we looked at the beginning of the season. We actually completed the acquisition a couple of months ago. Then, you know, guys, how it works here with visas and everything. You had we we had to wait him for a, for a while, and. Um, uh, it's a ball winner in the midfielder. It's a very, it's a guy that uh, first of all he re he he receives very well tactical information, and after two weeks that he was here, he was already okay understanding how we want to move and how we do it. And it's a ball winner, and he's a guy that uh, he can uh, really help in uh, preventing the other team to have those uh, easy ball in between the lines. And even if it happens to serve the the quality player is good 1v1 trying to win the ball. So it's uh, pretty simple that uh, against you guys, it's going to be hard. It's gonna, we're going to, I hope that him and the other players is going to be, they're going to be able to limit Reynoso a little. Well, speaking of limiting Reynoso, and we'll get to kind of your thoughts on Minnesota United, but last season, you guys did a pretty good job of really cutting off service to him. So he didn't have the ability to find others. Is that the game plan once again, or how do you view Emmanuel Reynoso? What makes him so good? That's that's the game plan that we have. Well, first of all, it's our identity. We are a, uh, probably the most zonal team in the league, and we never do uh, a man marking. We never do anything that is related to man. We always work uh, uh, against the ball according to the uh, to the position of the ball and not the position of the man. And this uh, thought is even reinforced when you play against uh, big quality players like uh, like Reynoso. I think that to to really stop the quality players is to limit the source of the ball to them. Because uh, if you want to do something specific to them, like a man marking, no, Reynoso is going to find a way to dribble you one or twice during the game. So it's uh, the most important thing for us is to do very well and very compact. Uh, especially with the front uh, guys and the midfielders. Uh, so in this way, if he wants to get the ball, he needs to get lower and lower and, and get the ball in front of our midfield. So, of course, you will never put Reynoso at zero threat, but instead of 100, if we bring him to 50 or 40, it's going to be a success. Uh, we did it actually very well two weeks ago against uh, Gilles in uh, uh, New England. We hope that we're going to do the same against him. But let's just dive back into the, the zonal versus man marking, shall we, Vani? Because it is a, a raging debate here in North America at the moment. Why why yeah. are coaches like you and several others opting for the zonal marking as opposed to man marking right now? Well, I think that for me, uh, 
for two reasons. The first reason is that uh, 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 you need to defend according to the position of the ball, because in this way, if you do it very well, you're going to have numerical superiority in, on, on the side of the ball, and, uh, and um, you're going to try to win the ball and uh, uh, being already in the position to counterattack. If you're a man, -mark, if you man marking, I give you an example. If you put a number six against uh, Reynoso, and Reynoso is gonna drift on the on the right side, the number six is gonna follow him. First of all, there's not there's no one there, and there's a lot of space to play for the other team. And then in case we win the ball, the number six is a fullback. The fullback is a number six, and uh, I, I it's 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 not the ideal thing. That's the two thing. And the third one for me, it's also a philosophical thing. Uh, soccer is a team sport and we need to defend as a team, not to defend the uh, individual. Uh, so that's, uh, that's what we, that's what I firmly believe. And uh, I also believe also from a physical standpoint in this way, it's better all to run like uh, 15 yards and going towards the ball than one guy needs to run 50 yards and you don't run zero yards. We know how you are a statistician and your, your tactical awareness is second to none because I, I know the position you were in prior to becoming uh, the U23s and then the head yeah. coach for Vancouver. But when you look specifically at any other changes that Vancouver made that you can share with us from the first bit of the season to where you are now, speaking yeah. of that zonal and speaking of some of the tactical changes, what was it that all of a sudden clicked for your guys and for you that all of a sudden was working and the guys were buying in? I think that uh, the main thing that we did is that we didn't change principle or lineup, but we did we we did change uh, uh, kind of our line of confrontation. So when I you were talking before when I was the interim coach, when I was the interim coach, our success was being very relentless and with the high pressing, high pressing, winning the ball high, we win the ball high, and in transition we were really good. So we tried to start this year as we finished last year. But uh, we, we weren't doing very well for a bunch of reasons. We, we missed some players. We, we weren't in condition to do it. And uh, we realized that we couldn't be the same team that we were doing in the last year, being very relentless and pressing every ball. So now what we do is basically to uh, lower the line of confrontation and uh, still press, but not press every ball. Press only when we're really very well structured and also try to if you want to call it middle block, playing more in a middle block uh, kind of uh, uh, organization than, than before. The, 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 the one thing that, that I'm uh, curious to, to hear from you now, Vanny, is, is from a, a Minnesota United perspective. I know you've spoken on Reynoso already, but there's so much more than just Emmanuel Reynoso. Yes. What have you made of their campaign so far? Well, I think that, you know, they're... Uh, I think that Adrian, uh, a creative, I would say, uh, a brand of football for this club in the last four or five years that uh, uh, it, it's always there. They're really good for me when they win the ball in transition because playing with the, those wingers that are always uh, uh, fast and attacking the space, uh, uh, they're going to be deadly dangerous if we if we if you're not well positioned when we attack in order to deal with that transition because they they can be played all, on and uh, you know it's. Uh, when they attack, when 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 the, when the team attacks are kind of a direct team, but when they win the ball, the second ball on the on like on the middle third, then they attack with a lot of players. They attack with a lot of players, so we need to be uh, able to, I would say, uh, endure the that situation where sometimes 
They're going to have seven guys attacking in our half, both the fullbacks. Uh, in the last game, they play, uh, Lord now is playing as a second midfielder. So it's, it's, a, it, it's a really offensive setup, to be honest. And uh, we need to transform this that can be their strength in our strength, because uh, maybe they can be imbalanced when we win the ball back. And uh, we can try to attack the, the space, especially uh, on the side of the of the two center backs. That uh, since the fullbacks are very aggressive, can be can be exposed sometimes. I know I heard a quote from you. I think it was in the post game after your win against LAFC when you guys got the goal late. But you said something about how it's sometimes difficult to play all your best quality players at the same time. Can you explain yep. that a little bit? Because most people would think you throw your best guys out there and it's going to be the best you know, options possible. No, you know, it's like uh, we have a lot of good quality players up front. Okay, so uh, we have uh, five, six guys, I would say six, including David Casado, and unfortunately now he's injured. Uh, it's hard if not impossible in at least at the moment for me to play all the five together because uh, against i'm a coach that uh, organization comes first and uh, and the team comes first and you need to put the team that your talent at the at the at the service of the team so i think that uh, the best way for us is to choose according to the how I see in training and according to the opposition that to, they have different characteristics every time, which are the players that can be more dangerous for uh, uh, to make us win the game. And that's also the reason why I like the fact that uh, I say every time that we win a game every time. I use 16 players every time because that's uh, who doesn't start uh, can be the hero of the game. And in this stretch of good games, it happened to us a lot of times. So, uh, when we decide the starting lineup, we also decide, we also think about, okay, who can be the one who can make us maybe win, make us win the game in the, in the second half. Um, Danny, just one last question from me, um, and it's about neither Minnesota or Vancouver. Given your background, you're from Italy, um, I was wondering what your thoughts are on the recent acquisitions that your fellow Canadian team, Toronto FC, have made, Lorenzo Insigne, Coming in, we're hearing that uh, Bernadeschi is going to come in from Juventus. Uh, Belotti is another player that's been yeah. linked heavily with Major League Soccer. It's exciting times for the league, is it not? It is. It is. I think it's, uh, you know, um, well, not only Chiellini too in LA, and uh, but also Bale coming to uh, LAFC. I think when big players come to the league, it's always a good thing uh, for of course, it brings attention. It, 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 it's a testimony that the league is, is growing up. And uh, also, I think it's going to be really important to uh, uh, for the reputation of the league that this player needs to be on their top in order to be really top players. So uh, uh, I th I'm, I'm not happy because he's not doing well, but I'm happy for the league that, for example, a player like Higuain, that was a top player, he is struggling because it means that the league is really he, he is really high level at the moment. We need to remind ourselves that, of course, we are not the Premier League, the Bundesliga, or the Serie A, but we are we are a good league. And uh, when uh, top players decide to come here, 
it's a good thing because it means that uh, everyone is now thinking that uh, you know it's it's good it's good soccer it's good football that we play here and uh, and uh, yeah the more the, the more the development happened the more the more happy we are Wonderful. Vanny Sartini, thank you so much for the time. Really, really appreciate it. Again, you've been listening to The Sound of the Loons presented by Alina Health Orthopaedics. All eyes now on Friday night as Minnesota United head to Vancouver Whitecaps.